I have always uh, been fascinated by the way people prepare for really big and important events. They usually go uh, through some sort of, of dry run. So pilots, for example, will prepare for a challenging situation by engaging in a, a flight simulator so that they can, uh, in their best, uh, in ta- tackle a difficult uh, situation uh, so that at least if they ever actually get it in real time, they know what to do. In sports, of course, baseball has spring training and football has preseason. In theater, there are dress rehearsals. And in all seriousness, I, I do wonder if our public health officials ever ran through a, a protocol or a dry run of what we would do as a nation if a virus like COVID-19 ever became reality. Uh, in literature, for those of you who study literature, there's the technique of foreshadowing, giving a reader a sense of what is about to happen. Our text today is a preview of all previews. And let me just ask you to, to interact with me for a moment, if you'll go to your, the, the chat part of YouTube, if, if you're so inclined to, and just list out what you think is the most incredible miracle Jesus ever performed. No doubt, I think we would have a lot of fun debating that question. Uh, for me, uh, my favorite miracle, and I think the greatest miracle that Jesus ever performed, was when he raised his friend, his bro from Bethany, Lazarus from the dead. Uh, and that's the story we're going to look at today. So turn or launch your Bibles to John chapter 11, and we're going to be looking at uh, verses 1 through 44. And today what we're going to do is we're going to take a different approach to this text. We're going to do uh, what I like to say Uh, is traffic in the DMV in normal times, and we're going to take a look at the stop-and-go method of how to study the Bible. Those of us who are in the DMV uh, in normal times know that traffic is just constantly stop-and-go, stop-and-go. So we're going to take a look at this passage in the stop-and-go method. You get the drift. As we dig into this text, what I want us to see is this incredible preview of how God worked in the past how God is working in the present, and how we can count on God to work in the future. And we see this in the miracle of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. John chapter 11, we'll start with verses 1 through 16. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may 
believe. Let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, which means twin, by the way, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Let's just stop right there for a moment. What I want to see here is the preview of the exaltation of Jesus. The text opens by telling us that Martha and Mary, the sisters of Lazarus, sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was sick. And Jesus, Jesus immediately says, this sickness will not end in death. And he tells the messengers and his disciples that God will receive glory from this situation. Now, let me be clear. God did not cause Lazarus to die so that he would receive glory. God did not strike Lazarus dead just so that he would receive glory, but God worked in the death of Lazarus to receive glory. God worked in this situation to redeem it so that he would receive glory and so that Jesus would be exalted. By the way, glorify is a term that can be a little bit mysterious if you're not uh, accustomed to reading the Bible. It essentially means to honor, uh, to lift up, to magnify, which means to make larger. One of the ways I like to say this is to glorify means to make Jesus famous in all of the world, simply to make Jesus famous in all the world. As Christians, that is our job. Our job is to, to magnify Jesus, to lift him up, to exalt him, and to make him famous so that people all around the world would believe. So you see the sneak preview that God is giving us here. God can take the most tragic circumstance, like the sickness and death of a loved one, and God can redeem it and work in it in such a way that people come to believe in him and love him and follow him. At the end of the story, we learn that's exactly what happened. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, the text says people believed in him. I want to say to you this morning that God is working in this global health crisis. Don't for a moment think that God caused it. I have heard of some suggesting that God sent this disease because he is angry with this group or that group. That is so wrong and that is incredibly irresponsible. But please know that God does not operate that way. When humankind rebelled against God, paradise, which was free from disease and death, entered the world. We live in a fallen world. And most of us know firsthand the reality of sickness and disease. But God does allow sickness and death to happen. And God will work through it. And God will redeem it. And God will lift up his son, Jesus, our Savior. The most extraordinary example of this is how God took the horror of the cross of Jesus and turned it into the very symbol of love and mercy, and compassion, and healing, and forgiveness. So please know that God is working. We see God working in many different ways through this time, and I believe God will continue to work to lift high the name of Jesus. What a preview. Well, there's another one in this section of the text as well. And we see here a preview of the sovereign timing of God. This text has a real head-scratching moment, doesn't it? Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, and he knew he was going to die, and yet he stayed in place for another two days. Now, why did he do this? It was common in Jewish thought that when a person died, 
the soul remained in the vicinity of the body for three days. But once decomposition set in, the soul finally departed. Now, we know that that is not what actually happens, but that is what people thought. And so John wants us to know here that Lazarus is good and dead by the time Jesus gets there. By the time he got there, it was about four days since he had died. But there's a bigger reason here. And a bigger reason for us to grab hold of today. And that is that throughout the course of history, we know that God works in his time and in his ways. We may not completely understand how, when, and why God works the way he does, and when he does, and why he does. But we can count on God to work his grace and to redeem even the most challenging of situations. One of the great marks of spiritual maturity is that we trust in God's sovereign timing as he is at work in the world. One of the great verses that I have heard quoted uh, during this time of global pandemic is St. Paul's encouragement to the church at Rome to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Wherever you are right now, all across the DMV and in other states around this country, let's just say that verse together. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. And just like people came to believe in Jesus when God finally worked at the tomb of Lazarus, I am confident that there will be people who hear and know Jesus when God ultimately heals the world from COVID-19. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. I see people extending the hope of compassion, the hope of mercy, the hope of prayers, the hope of words of encouragement. I see neighbors trying their best to help neighbors be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. I see the world turned upside down right now, and the most critical crucial people in our world are not the athletes and the entertainers and the politicians and the power brokers. No, the world is turned upside down right now, and the most crucial and critical people in the world are those who serve and who have served on the margins throughout all of time and people that sometimes we even don't see and don't fully appreciate. It's Anne at Harris Teeter getting up and going to work so that we can buy food to feed families. It's Reuben from UPS delivering much-needed medicines on a UPS route. It's Barbara, our postal carrier, delivering cards and government checks in the mail. It's Carol and Megan and Christina and Lisa and Evelyn and Jason and countless others in the field of healthcare risking their lives as God's healing agents. It's teachers like Lori and Nicole and Lindsay and Meredith who are doing everything they can to stay connected and to give hope to our children. Did you see how one teacher drove around and placed care packets on the front doors of her kindergarten students so that they could stay connected? Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. God is working. We may wonder when he will get it done, and we may wonder, ask why God is taking so long, but rest assured, God is working. We have to be patient in this time of affliction. Now, for the sake of time this morning, I'm going to let you read the middle portion 
of the text on your own, which is John chapter 11, verses 17 through 37. But in this middle section of the text, we see another preview. And that is a preview of how God grows us. Jesus finally arrives in Bethany and the two sisters of Lazarus, Mary and Martha, separately encountered Jesus. But when they saw him, they made the very same statement. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. They both came to Jesus with faith. They believed and trusted that he could have healed Lazarus. And of course, they came to him in their grief, each in their own way. You know, we don't all grieve in the same way, do we? Yet Jesus responded to the very same statement differently. With Martha, he had a theological and somewhat intellectual discussion. Martha, the busy, practical Martha, needed to in some way make sense of what was happening. So Jesus tells her, your brother will rise again. And then they have this great conversation about the resurrection. And Jesus teaches her not only the concept of the resurrection, but he tells her that he is the resurrection. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? You see, Jesus taught Martha right there on the spot that the idea of the resurrection cannot be contained to a doctrine in some sort of statement of faith. The resurrection and the life is a person named Jesus and was standing right in front of Martha. Jesus can handle our wonderings and our curiosities. One of the ways that Jesus grows us is by teaching us theological concepts and truth and stretching us and and maturing us in our knowledge of him. We need the truth of Jesus when we are in a challenging time. Remember, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. We need to know about the character and the nature of God. We need to know about God's redemption plan for the world that he created and that he gave life to. If you have any extra time on your hands during this time of pandemic, dig into God's word. He will touch and he will mature and he will grow your mind in the wisdom and the knowledge of him. Do not forsake the opportunity to dig deeper into God's Word. Don't let, at the end of this run, don't let the Word on you say you watched 400 episodes on Netflix, but you didn't crack open the Word of God. Use this as a time to grow and to be matured in your faith. When my mother was dying after a long, long journey of dementia that was caused by a stroke, we had deep, deep questions during this time. We would often ask, you know, why is God allowing this kind of suffering? We would often ask, Lord, even though mom is unresponsive, is her spirit connecting with your spirit in a way that we can't understand? God, what does resurrection look like now for my mom? And God came to us through these conversations and through time and just continued to mature us and and to share with us his love and mercy through questions and through curiosities. He matures us through his wisdom. And God also grows us by connecting with our heart. Mary came to Jesus and said the very same thing that Martha did, except she was bowed down at his feet and weeping 
And when Jesus saw her weeping, he wept. Now, don't let this pass you by. The God, Jesus, God in the form of a man, the God who created all things, the God who gave life, the God who knew that he was about to raise Lazarus was so moved by Mary's grief that he grieved with her. I know some may be wondering, where is God in the pandemic? God is working, as we've already talked about, and God is weeping with those who weep. He is mourning with those who are mourning, and he is grieving with those who grieve. This encounter with Martha and Mary gives us this powerful preview that God grows us by tending both to our head and our heart. Remember the verse we started with in worship this morning. Let the peace of God that transcends all understanding. Let's put that peace to work, God. And let it guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Let's go back to the text. Remember, this is the the stop and go method of studying the Bible. Uh, Verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. You've been waiting for this preview. It is the obvious preview, isn't it? And that is Jesus was victorious. Jesus conquered death. I didn't do the text justice in the way that I read it. When Jesus moved toward the tomb, the text said he was deeply moved. We don't have the the right words in English for what was going on here. Uh, The word in the Greek, the original language of the New Testament, is one that I can't pronounce well, but it is ibromaumai, which that is just so butchering the Greek. If you ever get in an argument with someone, say, I'm about to ibromaumai you, and uh, anyway, they may not understand you. But it literally means to snort with anger, ibromaumai, to snort with anger. It was also used to describe the way a horse snorted when it was agitated or when it was just pent up and ready to go into battle. So hear what's happening here. Jesus is moving toward the tomb of Lazarus, and he is not moving with the box of tissues dabbing tears from his eyes. No, he is moving toward the tomb of Lazarus like a fighter, like a bull, snorting with anger, ready to do do battle with his greatest enemy, ready to go toe-to-toe with death. And he won. He went 1-0 that day. Death is no match for Jesus. What a preview. What a preview. He would face the very same enemy again a short time later on the cross. And for a minute, 
For a minute, it looked like death won round two, but we know it didn't. We know on the third day, up from the grave, he arose with a mighty victor over his foes. He beat down death once and for all. He was the death of death. If you believe in him, you will too. If you come to him in faith and trust, you will be raised with him and you will join him in the resurrection and his life. Now we see why this was such a powerful moment in the life of of Jesus. Not only did he raise his friend and bro from Bethany, Lazarus, but he gave us a preview of how God works. God is at work lifting high the name of Jesus. God is at work in his way and in his time, even when we don't understand. God moves toward us to grow us and to strengthen us and to mature us in our minds and in our hearts. And God defeated death. Now that, my friends, is good news. You know, there's one more preview, actually. There's one more preview in this text, and that's we are previewed. We are previewed. What you might say? It's a very small part of the text. I've read past it for years. It's interesting how in a time of global crisis, it just opens your eyes to things that you've just ignored before. Jesus did battle with death. And just before he called Lazarus up and out of the grave, he told the people there to take away the stone. Now think about this for a moment. Here is Jesus who has the power to give life to the dead. Here is Jesus who has healed the sick. Here is Jesus who has demonstrated his power even over nature. He juiced up the wedding when he turned water into wine. He defied gravity when he walked on the water. He looked at a thunderstorm and said, settle down, peace be still. He could have easily just swiped his hand and rolled the stone away. They had the people roll the stone away. And when Lazarus came out, he had the people dress him. Jesus could have dressed him with all kinds of blings and rings, but he told the people to help him out. Why did Jesus do this? It was another preview. It was a preview of his church. Jesus desires to get us involved in the miracle. Jesus works through his church to join him in bringing resurrection life to the world. Jesus provides the spirit. Jesus provides the supernatural power, and he calls us to be the muscle, to roll the stone away, to be his hands and his feet. Maybe you've heard the story of Father Giuseppe Berardelli, a 72-year-old Italian priest. He died a few weeks ago of the coronavirus. He died after insisting a younger person received the ventilator that he needed to survive. He laid down his life for another. He knew that there was one greater than the virus. He knew about the I am. He knew about the resurrection and the life. People of God, Jesus is ready for us to roll the stone 
away and to be a part of bringing resurrection life to this world. He invites us to a world that so desperately needs it. I hope none of us face the situation that Father Berardelli faced, but, he, but we will be challenged to move to a place of sacrifice and care for our neighbor, won't we? My prayer is that each one of us is that we will believe in him, that each one of us will submit to the way that he wants to grow us in our hearts and our minds. My prayer is that we will experience the freedom and the hope of the resurrection. And my prayer is that we will double down and commit anew to be his muscle, his hands and feet, bringing new life, resurrection to the world he loves. To God be the glory in Christ Jesus and to God be the glory in his church. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for showing us in your word the way that you have worked and the way you're working and the way that you're going to work in this world. Jesus, we know that death is no match for you. And we know that you bring resurrection life to all who come to you by faith. And so, Lord, strengthen our hearts, shepherd our hearts, tend to our hearts and our minds, as we lift them up to you, guard them, give us a peace that transcends all understanding, deepen us in our knowledge, in our love, in our devotion for you. And Lord, put us to work. Tell us and show us what to do to roll the stone away in this world, to be a part of your resurrection miracles all around us each and every day. We love you, God. We thank you, God. We trust in you, God. We count on you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.